Friends, entrepreneurs, small business owners, welcome to another episode of the Seven Figures Club podcast. Today, we have an amazing guest for you. We have Krista Rosso, who is the creator of the Lean Out Method. She spent the past two decades helping businesses scale in simple and sustainable ways. Uh, from the largest Fortune 550, actually not 500, Fortune 50, we're talking really big companies in the world, to coaches, consultants, online experts, just like you, of course, our audience does, you know, consist of a lot of that. So you guys are gonna wanna take notes today. She's gonna help you develop strategies to build, implement, and scale your business. She's gonna help you get products, create products that actually get your clients results quicker. And she's very good at helping you be both customer-centric and results-focused, which every business owner wants to do that and be that for their customer. Now, she's also on a mission to help offer simplify success, which is what we all need, get off the hustle hamster wheel, do business differently, and grow and scale their way while building a high-impact and high-profit business that does not require them to work 24-7. That sounds good to a lot of us, right? And she also is referred to as the business optimizer due to her unique ability to help people quickly cut through noise and complexity to identify simple and aligned solutions to achieve the big, bold vision they have for the business. And for Krista, welcome to the show. There are over 32 million businesses in the U.S. and over 90% of them will never break seven figures in annual sales. So how do we as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs break into that seven figures club? This podcast will relentlessly share the secrets, strategies, and tactics I've used to create three multi-seven figures businesses and bring in even more successful entrepreneurs than me to share their inspirational stories and tactics to success. You can create your dream business in life right now. So buckle up and let's go. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for today's conversation. Well, Krista, we always like to learn a little bit more about our guests and, and kind of their background. And, and importantly, what were some of the key events, you know, throughout your early life that led you to choose to become an entrepreneur and business owner yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I've always been one of those people who is fiercely independent, just very independent. As a kid, I remember we would go on vacation and I would beg my parents to let me go walk to the little store to buy candy by myself. And of course, they would tell me that they let me go by myself. Meanwhile, they were probably like hiding in the bushes on the way there. <laughs> but I just always wanted that freedom to be able to do what I wanted to do. And being a natural systems thinker, I'm always looking to improve everything. No matter what somebody says to me, no matter what I see, I'm always looking at, oh, well, you could just do it this way and it would be way more efficient or it would be mm. way simpler. And I just wanted that freedom and flexibility to be able to do that for myself. And I have certainly had jobs before when I have taken those jobs. They've always been ones where I was very much like an entrepreneur within a company. Um, I had a lot of freedom, a lot of flexibility, a lot of impact over my schedule, how I worked, where I worked, what I did. Um, and so I just naturally always gravitated towards that freedom that I think entrepreneurship gives us like nothing else can. No question. I mean, at the uh, base root, I think a lot of entrepreneurs have this really deep desire of to be free to you know do what they want when they want with who they want 
And that's uh, certainly a big, big part of why I chose the path of entrepreneurship. So, so for you, that was kind of your upbringing, uh, some of the key events that brought you to entrepreneurship. What was kind of your first uh, foray or, or dive into entrepreneurship where, you know, you, you tested out something or got involved, started some sort of business, teamed up with somebody and, and really led you to believe how oh, that this, this is my calling. This is what I should be doing. What was that first experience like for you? Yeah, there's a couple. And so when I was in high school, I actually ran, this is going to date me big time, but I live in Connecticut and I ran the first two coffee shops in Connecticut to ever offer espresso drinks and the first wow. drive-through coffee shop in Connecticut, which was one of those old drive-through photo booths, which we converted into a drive-through coffee shop. And what had happened was somebody had moved to Connecticut from Seattle, started these businesses, and he hired me to run them. And then he went back mm. to Seattle and left me with the businesses. I absolutely loved them. I did that while I was in high school. I did that while I was in college for the first couple of years. And I finally decided that, you know what, I do absolutely want to do my own business, but I don't think this is the business. I want to get my degree. I want to figure out what I want to do. So I walked away from that after about four years. And it just, it taught me so much about a business. It taught me how to manage a team, how to build a team, how to run a team, how to hire, how to fire, how to manage expenses, how to double revenue and just all of those different incredible lessons. It was my business, but was it my business? And what a great way to learn entrepreneurship and business. And from there, I had gone to college. I was an art major. I ended up switching majors and graduating with a business degree. And I decided I was going to work for a couple of years to pay off my college loans while I got my creative business, which was photography at the time, up and running. And what I didn't realize was the job that I took to pay off the college loans was in a big company that did lean manufacturing. And the job that I ended up taking was the equivalent of a project management job. And I found by accident that I loved these things. And the person who hired me into the job needed me to start right away. So he had me come in as a consultant. And I didn't even know what a consultant was at the time. So <laughs> I came in as a consultant fell into lean, fell into project management, thought I was going to do this while building my creative business, absolutely loved it, and ended up taking that. And I've had many different iterations and evolutions of my business over the years, but that ended up being what I did. Oh, outstanding. So so came in and, and started doing some consulting work. And, and interestingly enough for you, I mean, you, you kind of went down that traditional path and, and got that degree, and then you're just going to get a job and work there for you know, pay off some of that uh, student loan debt. Um, so what was the result that you were working to get uh, your clients uh, back at that time when you first started out? Yeah, it's for me, it was really getting things done, right? I was working with these yeah. companies. If you think about project management in general, right? Somebody is trying to achieve something, but ultimately they would have a really big goal. I started off with mergers and acquisitions. So the company that I was at was acquiring, they were growing through acquisition. So they were wow. buying all of these companies. And as you can imagine, when you bring a new company in, you're trying to integrate that company into a much bigger company. You've got people where you need to sort out roles and responsibilities and who does what and who stays and who goes. You've got tools and technologies and systems that all need to merge and you know, up level. And so it was really just helping them achieve the business results and strategic objectives that they had. And I found that I had a knack for it in a way that other people didn't. 
just for whatever reason, I got such better results than a lot of other people got. And it didn't matter what type of project I took on, if I was doing an SAP build, or if I was, you know, helping them acquire a new company, or if they were releasing a new product to market, either way, I ended up getting better results. And that was some of what I learned that kind of brought me to the method that I use today. <laughs> Outstanding. So you're you're doing these projects, boy. That's a big deal in a business. You know, it, it goes through a merger and an acquisition, and they have to integrate, and they have to, you know, uh, adopt new standards and and create new SOPs, and you have to decide who's valuable and who's not. I mean, just a tremendous uh, project uh, to take upon for anybody, and yet you're getting better results. So, what were some of the keys? to getting better results for these projects and companies that you're working with. And then eventually, how did that, you know, transition into what, what you now call the lean out method? And we're going to really, you know, want to dive into that in a minute here too. Yeah, absolutely. So at the time, back in the day, right, this was in the early 2000s. Um, I started in that initial role in 2000, so 22 years ago now. Um, and back then, Agile wasn't really well known. I'm not sure if Agile even really existed in, you know, major uh, places. And what was used was more of a traditional project management approach, where everything was very pre-planned, very prescriptive. You would create your 300 plus line item Microsoft project plan, and everybody was held accountable to exactly what got done. And none of that ever really sat right to me. To me, it wasn't about what are you going to do on Thursday at 10 a.m. six months from now. It was about what are our goals? What's the vision? What does success look like? What do we need to do to get there? And I was able to pull out of people what they really wanted, how they really wanted to do it. And I was able to pull together teams across these different organizations. So we had the company that acquired, we had the people who were acquired. There's a natural tension there. We had me oh, yeah. who was an outside consultant. We had other people who were outside consultants. So natural tension there where people don't always trust the outside person and what are they doing and are they trying to take my job and there was a lot of that and I just had a way of pulling everybody together to work well as a team and what it came down to was aligning everybody to what is our common goal what's the vision what are we trying to achieve here how is your role and what you're doing supporting us getting there and how is you not doing it or not meeting commitments keeping us from getting there. And it was really, I mean, it sounds so simple. It's something we talk about so much now, but that wasn't what project management was about back in the day. It was more like step-by-step -step exactly what you were going to do and what are your dependencies and what's your critical path. And to me, it was about vision and people. Sorry. Um, it was about vision and people and all of that. And so that was really what I focused on. And I still believe to this day, if you are a common alignment around a vision, you know where you're going, you know why it's important, and you know how you fit into making that a reality, that is your secret to getting a really high performing kind of self-run team and getting incredible results. Oh, outstanding. So a lot of value bombs that Chris had just dropped for everybody. You know, whatever you're doing, you want to stop, uh, take some notes, uh, think about this and how it pertains to your own business. But she talks a lot about starting with the end in mind, right? She's, but before diving in and getting into all the minutiae, hey, what are we actually trying to accomplish? What's the result we're trying to get? And what's the overall vision? And once you as the leader can kind of put that together, then you've got to get the team on board. And it sounds like you've got a unique ability to do that. So what, what would you kind of, um, detail as, as a few of the key uh, things that you can do as a leader 
to get the team on board for that new vision for you. I mean, this was had to have been incredibly challenging because this is a brand new team. You're an outsider. They may or may not, they probably don't trust you. And, you know, you're, you're probably more connected with the new larger corporation that just bought this, the smaller business. So how did you get the team to buy into that vision and more importantly, take the actions to, you know, actually attain that vision? Yeah, it was interesting. Back then, too, it was a very male-dominated industry. There weren't very oh, yeah. many females. And it was also people my age now, it wasn't really people in their early 20s like I was at the time either. Um, and so I had a lot of different things against me, but I think the thing I had going for me was naivety. I didn't, I, I think I said the word wrong, but I didn't know what I didn't know. I was brand new. This was the first time I was ever in a business world. So I just did what made sense. I didn't stop to think if it was the way it was done or if it was the right way to do it, or I can't talk to this person because they have a different color badge than this other person does. To me, it was just, we've got a goal to meet. We've got a vision. Let's all get together and make it happen. And so it was, being so young and being just kind of thrown into this environment where I was just like, we're just going to get it done. And I think that that sometimes is something just that innovation and that, that dynamic nature of entrepreneurship, those of us who are leaders and business owners, I think sometimes we can lose that over time. And I think you want to make sure that you hold on to that. You want to look at, and sometimes if you simply ask your team, how can we get this done? I really want to achieve this goal. I know it's a really big goal. I know it might take a lot from us to get there, or it's going to really stretch our abilities or stretch our knowledge, but how can we get this done? And you enlist people in not just the vision, but also coming up with the right solution and aligning them to the things that they're excited about. And they're like, oh, well, I could go research this, or I could do this. I think you get different results. And I just naturally approached it that way because I didn't know any better. <laughs> and I think that was a, a, a real benefit for me. And it's so powerful what you're sharing there, Krista, because a lot of people think, oh, I'm the leader, I'm the entrepreneur, I'm the manager. Like I, I have to, you know, just have all of the answers and everybody needs to follow. But really great leaders are great at asking the right questions and then letting their people who are experts at their different fields and their different parts of the business to bring in those answers. And that's how you actually get the best results. And now they're bought in because it's them coming up with those answers within their field of, of genius that they know a lot about. And so just a really great way to engage your team, get them to buy in and everybody you know, has their unique thing that they're focusing on to bring a solution. And then because, it, you know, they're kind of creating, now they're even more excited to, to do that. And so for years, now you've been able to get these amazing results and you're like, hey, there's a system to this. And it ends up turning into what you call and coin the lean out method. Tell us a little bit about the, the lean out method and how everybody listening, who's a small business owner, entrepreneur, startup, side hustler can kind of begin to incorporate some of these principles with the lean out method to grow their business. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I mentioned earlier that I had started off on more of a creative track and I did yeah. actually launch my creative business. I launched a jewelry business. I still have it today. Um, it's called really? Mascara, uh, which is That's really awesome. exciting. I get to feed my creative soul while also doing my systems and strategies and structures and all the things. 
Um, but what I did in that business was it was a very passion fueled business. I went deep into it. I worked way too much. I almost burnt myself out. I didn't put systems in place. All these things that I was doing, consulting with my corporate clients, I did none of it in my own business, go figure. And I got to this breaking point in the business. I was hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. I was oh not goodness. doing really well from a health perspective because I was working so darn much. And I just had this moment of epiphany of how am I able to get such incredible results for these companies that I'm working with? Meanwhile, in my own business, I'm struggling and I was very close to having to close that business. And it was that realization that said, I'm not actually leaning out my business. I'm not actually doing in my business what I'm doing for these big companies. And I think I had this disconnect because I just had this small business. Meanwhile, I'm working with Fortune 50 companies. I wasn't seeing how what I did for them, I could apply in my business until I had that epiphany. And then I was on a mission that I was going to make this business successful. I was going to take these principles and these practices that I was doing, and I was going to make them work for a small business. And that was where the Lean Out Method was born. I was my first test subject. And then from there, of course, I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of businesses. But there's four main stages. And it's some of what we talked about, but it's context, clarity, commitment, and Kaizen. Kaizen's a lean concept that means um, small continuous improvements and changes for the better. And to me, the most important thing is context. You have to start with that vision. You have to know where you're going. You have to know why it's important um, for a lot of the reasons that we talked about. Then you need to have goals that are more near term that say, okay, I know where I want to go. Now, what do I need to focus on right now? What is the burning most important thing right now that's in alignment with that long-term vision? And I think you need to have a business model that's in alignment as well. So often people have a business model over here, a vision over here, and the two are never going to meet in the future. It's their business model does not support the vision, the lifestyle, the role that they want in the company in the way that they want to run their company. And so I think you need to align all of those as your context. And then once you have that in place, that's where you get into clarity, which is really strategic planning. And I have a lean way that I do strategic planning that I think is really adaptive. It lets you commit to what you're going to do. It gives you a lot of confidence in what you're going to do, but it leaves space for innovation and the nature of a small entrepreneurial business where we're idea generators and new things come out all the time. Um, and then commitment, obviously just being committed, staying firm, you know, really pushing through when you run into obstacles, which you're bound to do. And sometimes the biggest obstacle that you run into is yourself and your mindset, not uh -oh, been there. things. <laughs> um, and then Kaizen, of course, always making sure that you're measuring, you're looking at both the qualitative as well as the quantitative data. You're making those database decisions and you're constantly looking to improve. And so that's the model. It's super simple when I explain it, but it's just really a way of building, growing, scaling, um, and even eventually selling a company. Wow. Beautiful. Just so many value bombs there, guys. Basically, she broke it down, unpacked up four steps in the simplified lean out method that she's used with Fortune 50 companies, her own companies, other businesses, coaches, consultants. You start with context, you gain clarity, make that commitment, and then you practice Kaizen, you know, reflect and improve and measure where you're at and, and continue to grow and scale and get those results. Now, a lot of us business owners, Krista, you know, we, there are these things that we have to do every day, or we think we have to do them. And there are certain activities and tasks 
that are draining us. They don't actually add value to our clients and they certainly aren't adding profit to our business. What's the best way to identify some of these things that we actually don't need to be doing? And then how do we solve it? Are are we finding someone to do it for us? Are we getting rid? I mean, what what does that process uh, look like that you think that's uh, most successful in identifying the stuff that drains us and figuring out a way to, to get it out of our schedule or, but still get it taken care of. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's a lot of hidden time and profit in any business. And a lot of times we have things that are unnecessarily complex. And so we're working harder than we need to on things. Other times we're spending time on things that aren't even necessary or that might be important, but aren't important right now. And I think the first thing is having that longer term vision. So again, you don't have to always know exactly what the future looks like. It evolves all the time. It changes all the time. But the main thing that you want to know is, are the things that I'm doing directionally correct? That is the main question you want to be able to answer. If you're doing something that was something that was more in the past, it was something that got you to where you are today, but it really is not where you want to take the business. Maybe you've evolved or you've shifted your model a bit. That is one of those things you want to look at and cut. And so I think it's important to be able to look at everything you're doing and say, is this directionally correct? Um, Is it necessary? Do you actually need to do it? And do you need to do it right now? And if you can answer some of those questions, and I have a technique I'll walk you through that makes it really simple. Once you can weed out and lean out all the stuff that you don't actually need to be doing, from there, I think it's looking at the things that are left, which are the things that do fuel you, which are the things that align to your strengths, your zone of genius, whatever you want to call it, and which are the things that you do because either you think you're the only one that can or because you don't have anyone to do it, but the reality is someone else could do it. And that's where you want to look at a strategic hiring plan. You want to look at your systems. You want to look at how can I either make this simpler, more streamlined and require less of my time, or how can I do that and delegate it to somebody else where it's their strength, it's their zone of genius, and it frees you up to do the things that you really want to do. Um, So that's the general um, kind of approach. But the technique that I developed is called CHUCK. And it stands for cut, hold, change, or keep. And I think you always want to be looking at everything that you're doing in your business. I recommend people do this every 30 days. And you want to just run what you're doing through those filters. Is it something that should be cut? You don't need to do it. It's not generating return on investment. You're not finding fulfillment in it. It's not in alignment with where you want to go in your business in the future. Cut it, right? Don't ask any questions. If you have to question it, it should probably be cut. Yeah, really. Um, Cut it (laughs) Right. The other one hold is usually a lot of things don't move directly into cut. People tend to be reluctant to cut. So they stick it in the hold bucket and then they finally realize they didn't really need it and it goes. But hold is this is important. But when I look at my near term goals, the reality is we don't need to be focused on this right now. We could free up this time to focus on some other more valuable things. Um, change important. It's something that you know you need to do, but maybe you're just not getting the results from it that you want, or maybe the way you're doing it feels really heavy and really draining, but there is a simpler, more streamlined way. That's your change. And then your keep is it's working great. I love it. It's adding value. This is an alignment with where I want to go. This is something we're going to keep on doing and have your whole team do this activity. It can be really enlightening and really eye-opening and surprising how much time you can cut out of your schedule just by doing that activity. Wow. What, what a great uh, technique. What, what's this, uh, does this technique have like a name to it or like a title? Just Chuck. Chuck. 
Chuck it up. I like it. I like it. Chuck it up. Okay. Good advice there, guys. It kind of reminds me of uh, there's a book I was reading uh, written by these Navy SEALs. And, and there are these times in your life as a business owner where you just feel overwhelmed or whatever this is that's going on. But if you just prioritize and execute on what's most important, that's actually going to move the needle in your business and make those decisions based on that. It sounds like that's part of that strategy that she just uh, implemented there for, but really uh, amazing things she just, she just shared there. Now, something else, uh, you know, that you talk about, Chris, all the time in the lean out method is how you can discover if your business actually is sustainably scalable. Like, can your business really scale? Is there something you need to change in? Are you in the wrong business? Like, how can you actually unpack this and, and discover for yourself if you have a sustainably scalable business? Yeah, absolutely. I actually developed an entire assessment that you can take. It's 38 questions. They're oh, robust, but don't worry, it's under 10 minutes. Um, but it actually does go through and help you understand how sustainably scale it is, scalable your business is. Because I think a mistake that a lot of people make is when they hear the word scale, they think of more. They try to scale through addition. And most of us have enough on our plate already that adding and doing more is going to actually put us into a place of overwork and a place of overwhelm. And those results aren't sustainable, right? You don't want to scale all the things. You want to lean out first. You want to get clear on what are those things that actually are working the best? What are those things that are the most important? Which are the offers that get your clients the best results and generate the most profit for the business? What are the ones that are just super overwhelming, take a ton of time, people don't get a lot of value out of them, and they probably should be cut, right? You don't want to scale that offer. You want to scale the offer that's working. And so I think there's an order to scaling. I think the first thing you want to do in your business is you want to simplify. You want to get really clear on what's working and what isn't. Then you want to systematize what you can. You want to make sure that you're able to make things as streamlined as possible and, you know, able to, you know, be done automatically if possible, able to be done in the most efficient, effective way possible. And then you want to scale. Otherwise, you're scaling noise, you're scaling distractions, you're scaling complexities, and it ends up being unsustainable. So you can have a short-term win where you see these great you know, increases in revenue, but it doesn't end up actually being sustainable because your resources are going up right along with it. And a lot of times those resources are time. And we end up just in a place where we put ourselves on that hustle hamster wheel that you mentioned earlier, and we can put ourselves on a fast track to burnout. So I think that, you know, scaling critical, it's something we all want to get to, but you want to be careful. You want to be really careful in how and when you scale and take the time to simplify first so that you are making it sustainable. I'm glad you said that, uh, simplify first. Because that's what you were describing to me is if you really want to scale the right way, you want to scale with simplicity. And there it was, you put it right in there. I took the words right out of my mouth. If you can scale with simplicity, then you're not taking so much more brain power, so much more resources, but you're scaling and it, it's uh, much less draining. What, what a huge uh, value bomb that is. So I think a lot of the audience right now is, is listening, thinking, ah, this is what I need to do with my business. I need to be able to scale sustainably. I need to be able to scale with simplicity. I need to get rid of those things that are draining me. And so it sounds like the first thing they need to do is take the sustainability, excuse me, the sustainable scaling assessment. And where do they need to go to uh, get this free assessment taken care of. 
Yeah, it's scalingassessment.com. It'll take you okay. right there. And I have a 10-day challenge that's coming up that you'll get all the info about um, when you go through oh, perfect. The assessment. And we're going to together go through. And my goal is to help people get back 10 hours per week in their schedule and to uncover 10% of hidden profit margin sitting in their business. Mm, outstanding. All right, guys. So that was that was a scale. What was it again? scalingassessment.com scalingassessment.com guys scalingassessment.com and you can go ahead and uh, take that sustainable scaling assessment you also can uh, you know check out her amazing uh, challenge and if you haven't been through one of these challenges they are so much fun and they bring so much energy and you learn from so many people that are taking these challenges. So definitely recommend you guys take a look at that. And again, just a reminder to everybody listening that this podcast isn't about you, you know, sitting back and passively learning and saying, oh, that's cool. I really love what Krista shared today. No, you need to be taking action and implementing what you're learning. And that means going to scalingassessment.com figuring out where are you at with your business? Why are you struggling to scale it? What are the, the, the you know, humps and obstacles that you need to get through to take that next step? And maybe there's a pivot or two. And most importantly, if you go through her challenge, now you have the opportunity and the wherewithal to be able to identify it. Because sometimes we have blind spots as business owners, and it's really difficult to see exactly what is keeping us from growing. We know there are things that are draining us, but nothing feels better than getting those draining tasks off of your calendar and maybe getting rid of them all together and figure out a better way to grow and scale your business. Well, Krista, thank you so much for being a guest on the Seven Figures Club podcast. Give us the final word of something that our listeners can do today to make progress at scaling their business in addition to going to scalingassessment.com. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I loved our conversation and I will leave everybody with this. Write down the acronym, Chuck. Cut, hold, change, keep. If you just simply look at your schedule, if you go into whatever your project management tool is that your team uses and you look at your activities and just spend even five minutes to do a really quick filter of what things are really important and do I really need to be doing right now, it's going to help you get some of that time back. And I think when you get the time back, that's when you have the time to really be focused on working on your business and you can really start to focus in on scaling. If you're always in the, the, you know, working in the business instead of on the business, it's pretty difficult to grow it. You're in the trenches there and you can't see because you're in the trenches. You got to be able to stick your head out and figure out where the business is at. What a great uh, piece of advice. Guys, take action. Again, it's scalingassessment.com. Go check that out. Get your scaling assessment done and figure out what your business needs to do so that it can grow and scale in a way that's simple, in a way that's sustainable, in a way that doesn't drive you nuts and take all your time. Krista, thank you so much for so much value that you shared today. Thank you so much for having me. Are you looking for more seven-figure secrets, content, or even how you can launch your own recession-proof business? Then check out sevenfigures.com. That's the digit seven, F-I-G-U-R-E-S.com, where we share more videos, stories, strategies, funding solutions, entrepreneurial education, and even the secret business type that's recession-proof. 
Thank you for listening. And if you're finding value in our podcast, please give us a five star and invite others to join the club.